0: Go back to John's pyramid scheme here for a second. So if if it's uh, the divine order if, of
1: heaven, don't, don't don't credit me with it.
0: <laughs> the only question that always comes to my mind when I think about this is: okay, so if if we're going to become part ownership of of our God, and He's part ownership of His God, I mean, doesn't that mean that it had to have started somewhere? Wasn't there isn't there like a great 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 grandfather God?
1: Y- yes, no. the, the, Yes. No. The, the
0: Pearl Great Price.
1: No. Yes, that's in the Pearl Great yes. Price. It says it right if, there.
2: If If oh. Joseph Smith took a ring off of his finger and cut it in half, <laughs> there would be a beginning <laughs> and an end. So if you say that there was a beginning, then there must at some point be an end.
1: I have to say, I don't understand that. He this, you're, Glenn, you're, of course, quoting from the King Follett Discourse, and I don't understand what Joseph means in that because that doesn't go in conjunction with anything else he's saying in this. That goes with what he taught in D&C 88, what Glenn is stating there. So we're gonna like sort of like the the Buddhists, we're gonna cycle around again. No, we don't cycle around again. We've always existed, but God gave us intelligence but, but, and
3: organized our spirit.
1: But that, you're you're talking when you say always existed, you're still talking linearly. Joseph Smith said it's like a ring. Well, a ring when you go when you make a whole 360 degrees, you've come back to the beginning again, and you're, it's not like you're covering new territory. No, wait, territory. wait,
3: wait. Okay, look, look.
1: How old is a rock? Okay. <laughs> depends on the rock.
2: It, depends on no, the, it used no, to no. be called Babylon.
3: No, okay. when God organizes his worlds, he goes into chaotic places of space and gathers existing material and forms them into something useful. He does the same thing with our spirits. So wait, wait, wait. You
1: don't believe that, that God caused the Big Bang then? I, and you, you're, you're perfectly in line with traditional Mormonism. Yeah. You, you don't believe in a Big Bang.
0: No. Well, he says he believes in old earth. So, how, how did old earth...
3: God organized chaotic material and made an earth, but it went had, had to go through a process before we were able to inhabit it. D&C 93 verse 29. Man was our, also in the beginning with God. Intelligence or light or of or, or truth was not our, created or made, neither indeed can be.
0: Alright. Hang on a second. I want, <laughs> I want to go back to this great, 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 great grandfather God thing. So, in... <laughs> In the King Follett Discourse on page 10, it says, Come come here, ye learned men, and read, if you can. I should not have introduced this testimony, only to show that I am right, and to back up the word Rosh, the head father of the gods. In the beginning, the head of the gods called the council of the gods. The gods came to... Is that who it is? Is it Rosh? Is that the great, 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 great grandfather? The
1: great... That just means the head... The great the head. God, what is that? The great head God, according to the Adam God stuff, is Elohim. Elohim refers to the great parent God. Jehovah is the God of this world. Um, well, then, who? But what's
0: the name of their God then?
1: Whose God? Elohim. Elohim is God. El- Elohim is the great founding God. Well, he had a God, though. Not according to Adam Goddard. No. This is a, that, let's, <laughs> let's be clear. This is a, this is a, side well, he, even, even in King
2: Follett, he says that God found himself among the intelligences. Yeah, that, yeah that God, when God was an intelligence, he was greater in intelligence than the other intelligences that he was around. And so, it's right about, he, it's right about he, he, now that wants. Yeah.
0: It's right. I think it's right about now we need to let our audience stop and take some ibuprofen and, the heck away.
3: Yeah. Hey, Tom. Uh, here's something really cool. more
0: than <laughs>
2: Yeah.
3: Tom, here's something really cool in Abraham chapter three, which is where jo- jo- Joseph Smith got a lot of the King Follett discourse from. Abraham chapter three, you get the part where I Abraham talked Lord face to face, and he stretched forth his hand and placed it on his eyes and showed him all his creations, and then you get all the stuff about the planets, and he's talking about how some planets are larger than others, and how God sets his time. And then you get over to verse 18, and there's a transitory scripture where it goes as also, and then it goes on to talk about spirits. So the first part of the chapter is talking about planets, the second part the second part is talking about spirits, and it talks about how one planet sets the time and is greater than another. That's how intelligences are when God organizes intelligences. He goes into these chaotic areas, and some are greater than others. Like Jesus Christ showed in the pre-mortal life that he was godlike. Whereas then you have some people that you see at Walmart sometimes, all right. Every,
2: there's different degrees of intelligence,
3: okay. And the same thing is, is is that way with spirits. At some point, one of these spirits was intelligent enough to be godlike, and that's how all these things got started.
1: Yeah, I, that's where the Roche comes from. I, I think I think Mike's right, and I think this this the next the fifth great doctrine in here kind of answers your question, Tom. I'm going to start on the bottom of page ten. What does bara mean? It means to organize, the same as a man would organize and use things to build a ship. Hence, we infer that God himself has materials to organize the world out of chaos, chaotic matter, which is element and in which dwells all the glory. Element has an existence from the time he had. The pure principles of element are principles that can never be destroyed. They may be organized and reorganized, but not destroyed. Nothing can be destroyed. They never can have a beginning or an end. They exist eternally. It is associated with the subject in question, the resurrection of the dead. I'm going to skip down a couple paragraphs. Man exists in spirit. The mind of man, the intelligent part, is as immortal as and is co-equal with God himself. I know that my testimony is true. Skip down a paragraph. It is logical to say that a spirit is immortal and yet have a beginning? Oh, is it logical to say that a spirit is immortal and yet have a beginning? Because of if a spirit of man has a beginning, it will have an end, but it does not have a beginning or an end. So for for Joseph Smith, these intelligences that we all were, existed from the very beginning. Um, and this is what I think you guys were referring to before on page 12. Um, he said, God never had the power to create the spirit of man at all. God himself could not create himself. And then down a paragraph, God himself found himself in the midst of the spirits and glory. Because he was greater, he saw proper to institute laws, whereby the rest, who were less intelligence, could have privilege to advance like himself and be exalted with him. So they might have one glory upon another in all the knowledge, power, and glory. So he took in his hand to save the world of spirits. So there's eternally all these spirits, these intelligence that we all were. And what the first great God did is set up this, you know, this um Amway pattern that we would all by <laughs> gain to his level, to his exaltation. It's it's really sort of my, my um blasphemy disparaging there. It's it's really sort of an interesting doctrine. It's really sort of beautiful in a way that And if
0: w- and if he gets three gods under him and if they get three <laughs> three gods under them. Yeah.
1: Right, but so 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 in fact it's something that until I read this again these last few days it was confusing to me, but that, that sort of answers the question. What most Mormons would say something like, Oh, um, there were all, it was all gods all the way back, elephants all the way down. Right. Um, you know, the, the previous God had a previous (laughs) God. (laughs) Oh, is it? It's turtles. It's turtles all the way down. I'm sorry. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Um, so, so, um, but this really says that that's not the case. There was this, Pre-existing intelligence that sort of learned to to organize itself. It's very evolutionary. It's very it's very uh, um, hip with the scientific um, thought. <laughs> yeah, well, it,
2: it's, it's a cool. Thing. It's Very so, Darwinian. So, so yeah, it kind of is. So, so so if we get back to what we were saying before about was there a first god? We, we, maybe the, the confusion is that the element like. Whatever the matter is, what, what's the matter? Uh, it it has always <laughs> existed, but it it evolved. So there was a first evolution from this matter that's always existed. That like it didn't intelligence, eat. it was kind of like mulling around in space, and it coalesced into one that was a greater intelligence, and it started becoming aware of itself. And as it <laughs> became aware of itself, it became aware of everyone else around it. And then it, it created laws and order uh, out of uh, a spirit of benevolence to help the other uh, intelligences grow and and progress and advance the way that it had. Does that sound right?
3: Yeah, and I yeah. I, section eighty eight gets into that.
1: I think from section that. Section eighty eight would... talks about oh. how
3: how oh. unto every kingdom is given a law, and that everyone who obeys this law becomes in tune. Truman Madsen talked about this in his. Uh, he gives a talk on the doctrines Joseph Smith taught, and he talks about how, when we when we get in tune with the Holy Ghost, we, we get into these wavelengths of of uh, I don't even know what term to give it, but that's what's going to affect our resurrected bodies is to the degree to where we allowed ourselves to be part of this, the Holy Ghost, and how uh, abide by these laws.
1: I, I can definitely see how the Church of today that. Really is super insistent on obedience and blind obedience and, 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 um, um, fidelity to your line leader. Um, I see how that you sort of evolved from this idea, but there's this other sort of seed germinating in here. And that's that, that's sort of anarchist, right? Because somebody did it without. As a matter of fact, in Mormon doctrine, Jesus Christ achieved Godhood having never been immortal at least in modern Mormon doctrine. So so the point is, you can do it yourself if you really want to.
3: No, so you gotta be you moti- still have to
0: you got to be, mo- be motivated.
1: God, Christ is God because he adheres to principles of righteousness. But he did so. He, that- he became a God without ever having received a mortal body. What I'm saying is that Mormons will say, why do we come to the earth to receive a mortal body? We have to have a mortal body become God. No, we don't. Jesus Christ did it without.
2: Explain that. But you, you mean because he, as the Spirit Jehovah, organized the earth. Y-
1: yes, and yeah, I'm, well, I'm talking post because he tam- was the Word. Post Talmud's doctrine here, in you know that 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 equates Jesus Christ and Jehovah. That he achieved his status of being a god of the world, having never received a mortal body. According to modern Mormonism, Jesus never received his body until he was born of of Mary. So, so he had achieved his exaltation without ever having gone through mortality without ever having been baptized, without ever received the ironic priesthood, without ever having been sealed to a woman he couldn't have been he didn't have a body,
2: but that wasn't exaltation, was it he-, well, he, I, mean, he, he I mean he he achieved exaltation well, I, he was a
3: god, but he wasn't a fullness of the God the same way the father is, right, yeah, I'll go with Mike
2: <laughs> so so yeah, not what, that, he, he was not an exalted God well.
1: It he,
3: yeah. He was, was just, just
2: chosen, he, he was chosen to be the author.
3: He well, he He'd received he a divine investiture of authority from the Father.
0: Well, it, it remember this was before the veil, Glenn. This is why you don't remember. But in the pre existence, <laughs> when God says, Here's here's what I want to have happen, okay? Here, here's what here's what I want my plan to be, and then there was one person that says, I'll I'll save the souls. I'll go down and sacrifice myself, and the other one's like, I'll save them all. And then then God says, well, I'll choose the first. And that's when you know there's a lot of other hands that were in the audience that went, Oh man, because that <laughs> yeah. was their, that was it was so close that they could have been chosen, but nope, He chose Jesus instead.
2: It wasn't so, close, <laughs> but but that was well. It was it, it was uh, what two to one, but but yeah. um, so. <laughs> So, um, when when Jesus was selected, are you saying, John, that that made him a god?
3: Well, he he, he received a divine investiture of authority to act in the Father's name, but he yeah, could be he, a, the fullness I, the fullness of a god without a physical
1: body. If we take what we define as being a god here on this earth, you know that he can control the weather and find lost keys. He he had all of that. <laughs>
0: Well, doesn't the Holy Ghost qualify? I, I don't think that's victory? the definition of the God.
3: <laughs> yes, the Holy Ghost is God too. the The term God is actually you can translate it to the term Judge, and so you can you see they have a dispensation of authority in a sphere. Hey,
1: Mike, right. Mike, you know what yes. I heard? I heard the Holy what? Ghost is
3: a woman. No, it's not true. Judge Judy. <laughs> you want me to prove to you that the Holy Ghost is not a woman?
0: How are you going to prove any of this, Mike? Go ahead. First Nephi, Pro- First Nephi
3: chapter eleven. First Nephi, chapter eleven.
0: Well, <laughs> yeah, I,
1: I love Mike. I can hear that—that that, you know that the the, the thin scripture page. That, I just I just love that crinkle. It brings back so many memories.
3: First Nephi, eleven, eleven. You want me to read it? Yes, please.
0: No. Summarize. How about summarize?
3: And I sent it to him to know the interpretation thereof, for I spake unto him as a man speaketh, for I beheld that he was in the form of a man, yet nevertheless I knew that it was the Spirit of the Lord. There, the Holy Ghost is a man.
0: But the woman is in the form of a man, just a they little bit. They didn't say woman, difference.
1: they said man. Haven't you ever seen the Wonder Twins? The form of a bucket of water, <laughs>
0: Wonder
3: shape twins. of a monkey.
1: <laughs> it, doesn't, it just means powerful, it doesn't mean they actually were, you know.
3: All, all spirit is matter. He saw the matter
1: of his spirit in the form of a man. Well, they saw the Just matter of his spirit. Just because
0: you want the... him to be a man doesn't mean that he has to be a man, Mike.
1: Right. Jesus saw his form in the form of a dove. That doesn't make him a dove. <laughs>
3: yeah. It was a sign a
0: sign <laughs> of a dove.
1: All right. There's one other thing that's buried in this before we leave this um, intelligence thing. I mean, we've left yeah. it, the intelligence I, I think <laughs> we left
2: it with that last scripture.
1: Um, I think one thing that's that's here that that I think it's brushed over is since... Since the intelligents are um were not created by God. Um, they predate God, they're co equal with God, as Joseph Smith says here. Um, they're finite. So there there's this there's this idea that this will go on forever, but it can't go on forever because the spirits, the intelligent, are finite.
0: There's an end. Dun dun dun. There
1: has to be. How's well, there an end? Because because there can't be an infinite resource.
2: Well, because they it, he says that they cannot be created.
1: Right. You can't create right. any new ones. Eventually, you'll exhaust. There'll be some poor intelligence. that has been an intelligence for all eternity that will eventually be born, you know, in whatever version of their, uh, you know, Calcutta is. And that'll be the end. It'll be the last one.
3: Yeah, there's a certain dis- amount dispensed for this world. With. Is that what you're? Is that what you're? No, is I, that what you're talking I, I'm about?
1: suggesting that Joseph Smith, the text is arguing oh, this is pan universe. This is this is all intelligent everywhere. That intelligence are not created. You can't go and have another world that you create as a god that creates a new batch of intelligence because intelligence are co equal with God. They're they're eternal.
3: Well, what but, gods do is they go through across the universe and do unorganized areas and of that chaos create order. And there How are many unorganized
0: there. areas are there, though, Mike? How big when is the universe, Tom? How big is the universe, Uni- Tom? <laughs> It's always expanding. It depends on whether you, you view the universe as unorganized material that God needs to organize or the way that science That's what he said it.
3: he does. He goes into these areas and creates worlds out of the junk that's there.
0: Yeah, There's, but why he but, run out? But isn't that what John's saying, that eventually, since it's not created, that eventually they'll run out? That's
3: not according
2: to God. Joseph Smith says that things can never be destroyed, but they can be organized and reorganized. So maybe the people who aren't exalted can get reorganized back into intelligences. Oh, man. And then start, like, have a chance to start over again.
3: No second chances.
2: Maybe uh, maybe, well, maybe for everybody except those who have committed the unpardonable sin.
1: Oh, that's a great segue. Uh, yeah. so to You're me welcome. there's there's two other important doctrines that are outlined. Those are the five main doctrines that I talk about there's there's two other side doctrines in here, and the the next one is when Joseph Smith talks about the um unpardonable sin, um, Glenn, you want to talk about that one a little bit?
2: Yeah, there's an unpardonable sin. It, you know, if if you just went to anybody on the street and said, "What's the unpardonable sin?" I, I they might say like child molestation or, you know, something something really awful. But this one is to deny the Holy Ghost, and it, I mean it, it. It comes from the New Testament. I think there's scriptures in Matthew and and Luke. Is that where it is, Mike?
3: Uh, I'm not sure.
2: It, it it's from the New Testament that denying the Holy Ghost. Is the unpardonable sin? And and any other sin can be forgiven and will be forgiven, except for that
1: one. This is weird. And Joseph
2: hammers this. He hammers it, hammers it, hammers it in the King Paulette discourse, and he draws a is line. It? But but I'll, I'll let you talk about that line, John.
1: No, no, no Well, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm following with you. I, I do think he says something interesting. I, I think this is this has spawned a lot of speculation even today. What exactly it means to uh, be a son of perdition? You know, if you. Obvious, Brigham Young and those guys knew it was the apostates. They were the sons of, of perdition. No, no, yep. no doubt. Um, but Joseph Smith says this is on page 14, second paragraph down. What must a man do to commit the unpardonable sin? He's got to deny the plan of salvation. He's got to say the sun does not shine. You know, I just realized that the church stopped saying plan of salvation. They say plan of happiness. I hope they're not in trouble. He has got to deny the plan of salvation. He has got to say that the sun does not shine while he sees it with his eyes open. He has got to receive the Holy Ghost, deny Jesus Christ. When the heavens are open to him, no God, and then sin against him. After man has sinned the sin against the Holy Ghost, there is no repentance for him. Um, He seems to, at that paragraph, be setting up a pretty high standard. Um. To to see the sun shining and deny that it's uh, that it's it's there. Back when I was a believer, I always thought that that that's really what it meant. Is is there are people who fall away from the church who say it's not true, but to be a son of perdition, you have to fall away from the church because it's true. You have to say, I know it's true. I don't like it. I'm going to fight against it.
0: Yeah. So, so this like is like Sydney, all those like Sydney Rigdon, right, and Oliver Cowdery before he came back, right? Wouldn't well, they have qualified? Uh...
2: According to Joseph Smith, they probably would have, as long as they're fighting against him. Yeah.
0: But he
1: Joseph Smith was so open to letting all those guys back in. You know, all yeah. a- anybody who came to him who had fought against him before, he was very generous in that. I, I don't know of a single instance where he would say, no, sorry, you're a son of perdition. Screw you. And, and uh, he was very open to that. So I don't know. What, what, what do you think he means, Glenn?
2: Well, <clears throat> the... Uh, th- th- there's two th- two answers to that. Okay, uh, if if you're asking me how I interpret that doctrine, um, I, I I've always understood it that, or maybe I'll say I've I more recently understood it that it, it means what you said. It, you know, if 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 you don't um, accept Christ's uh, atonement for your sins, it's it's your choice. You don't have to, but you you, you have to understand it that that's what you're doing. And so if if, if you don't advance on in the whatever afterlife and you, and you go to outer darkness, it's because that's what you choose to do. Um, and it's just another example of, of agency trumping, you know, whatever, anything else. But, but I think if, if you're asking what Joseph Smith is intending um, in this speech, I, I just see an awful lot of subtext in the King Follett discourse with, with everything that was surrounding, you know, polygamy is, is uh, becoming, more more well known, you know, Willie Malah has found out about it and, and other people have found out about it and, and they're forming Reformation churches and they're stirring up and moving against him. And uh, you know, so, so Joseph's taking this opportunity to say, you know, if if you challenge me, if you go against me, then you're you're in danger of committing the unpardonable sin. And this is something that will not be forgiven in this world or in the world to come. And he draws a, a very distinct line between committing the unpardonable sin and apostates who fight against him, <laughs> he comes out and explicitly says that when somebody has done this, they thirst for my blood and they have the the same spirit as those who crucified the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, so again, he's making that comparison to uh, to, to himself and and Jesus there. But it, it it seems to me that this is really at the forefront of his mind. And and the the funeral of King Follett maybe is even the the uh, you know the side story for him because he he starts off the King Follett discourse by saying, you know some of you think that I'm a fallen prophet, but if I show you that I know God and I can lead you to God, then you'll know that I'm not a fallen prophet. And it seems like that that's really his motivation for most of the things that he's saying. And then he ends it by talking about the unpardonable sin. Don't don't go against me. I'm not a fallen prophet. So that's what I think.
1: I think it's probably probably a fair interpretation.
0: Yeah,
3: he gives he gives a little clarification here. Uh, and this has to do, you know, you can picture Satan and all those who fell with him from the pre-existence having the plan of salvation laid out to them and then they rejected it. And you can <coughs> see someone in this life, who goes through this life, discovers the gospel and rejects it and the judgment day comes. He says, a sinner has his own mind and his own mind damns him. He is damned by mortification and is his own condemner and tormentor. Hence the saying that will go into a lake that burns with fire and brimstone. I have no fear of hellfire. That doesn't exist. But the torment and disappointment of the mind of a man is as exquisite as a lake burning with fire and brimstone. So is the torment of man. You can see people that reject Joseph Smith as a prophet. And then when Judgment Day comes to say the gospel is laid before you and you rejected it, they condemn themselves for eternity.
1: Yeah, that,
2: and I think he's very careful to, to frame a, a lot of his inferences. He he frames this as the Holy Ghost. And you know, it at at the beginning he says the Holy Ghost will confirm this to your hearts. And he says later on when he he says this this doctrine tastes good and I know that you ta- can taste it and that it tastes good and I know that you believe it. You know, it's kind of like putting the gauntlet out there that that the Holy Ghost is going to seal this to you, and if you reject what I'm saying, then you're rejecting the Holy Ghost, and you're rejecting the learned man of God, you're rejecting Joseph Smith, and be careful if you do that.
1: Yeah, and there's another thing, you know, that a theme that Joseph raises up in the Book of Mormon all the time, which is, when you read the Book of Mormon, all the bad guys at the end do the standard, like, um, comic book confession you know, they, they get caught and they're lying and say, Oh, yeah, I, I knew it all along. And in, and that's a, that's a theme that's, that's, that's fallen along in Mormonism, you know, that people who leave the church secretly know it's true. And, you know, people who fight against the church, the, the Protestant ministers and the Pope or whatever. You hear all these urban legends, you know, they deep down in their heart of hearts, they, they know Mormonism is the right way, but they're secretly fighting against it. And I think that that's a theme that Joseph Smith joe smith plays out quite a bit you know for me if i if i were to get to the other side and find myself awake and find out that joe smith was a prophet i i wouldn't feel condemnation i'd feel like well i'll be damned and it'd be literally, <laughs> literally true wouldn't it literally but it, I would just, it would just be surprising to me i i don't i wouldn't i would think man well you know who who could have guessed that one who would have thought weren't that? you just where's saying how
3: f- good where's... weren't you just saying how good it tasted john
1: yeah, I thought I, that's a great doctrine, but I, I, still I still don't buy Joseph Smith
0: as a as a prophet. You, you'd wait if, if that happened, John. You'd be like, "Well, I guess uh, where's my fire and brimstone?" Then I guess
1: exactly. I'd I'd feel like, well, um, I made <laughs> I made a rational decision. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't feel bad about not, you know, <laughs> recognizing Joseph Smith as a prophet. Burning
0: forever, you wouldn't feel bad about burning forever. I mean, it, it <laughs> would
1: burn, but I don't think that. <laughs> You know, if, 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 you went to take, you know, you, you're taking calculus all year long, right? And you went to take the test and you got the test back and you failed it. And they said, well, you know, s- secretly, this wasn't a calculus class. This was, you know, this was, <laughs> this was something else. You know, you were supposed to know all this stuff that wasn't in the book. And, you know, if you had talked to Leroy back in the back seat, he knew that. And, um, you know, we had told him, but we didn't tell him to tell everybody. We only told Leroy and he had the teacher's edition. And, you know, how could you possibly feel bad about failing that test? You'd be like, "Well, that's that's a stupid way to teach a calculus class." That's,
2: that's what you yeah, would Yeah, especially think. especially if Leroy does things that make you question. You know, there, there's some things he says are true. Some things he says aren't. Right. He, he's taking advantage of some of the things that's going on. You start questioning Leroy. It, it seems that, you know, <laughs> I, I I guess I would hope if I'm ever in that situation that the Lord would go, "Yeah, I I I, I understand."
1: Yeah, I, I I'm I'm happy to get to the other side, um, and say I, I did my best with, with with what I could understand. I made the best choices I could, you know.
3: Well, the Holy Ghost told you it tastes good. Run with
2: that. Well, but there's a lot of things that taste good, Mike, and, and you know, like when. If you take a very skeptical approach to the King Fallen discourse, a very cynical approach, and you say that this is Joseph's way of trying to ingratiate people to him again the way that he had in the past, where he recognized that when he was expounding on doctrine and he was feeding them, that they were thirsty for that. And, you know, so that, that was his motivation to get people on his side. And you look at a statement that he makes about... Um, babies dying and Uh, mothers will you have your your babies with you yes mothers yes mothers you will have your babies with you and they'll be exactly the way that they were when you laid them in the ground in fact there are thrones upon thrones upon thrones of baby gods in the universe, let's, that they let's, don't ever grow, they don't ever change. I mean, that just seems—he seems doesn't so say they ridiculous. don't ever grow. All right, all right. Let's read. He does
1: because I think Glenn, you have a really good point, And Mormons deny the existence of this passage that I'm about to read, and yeah. and it Uh-oh. is it is absolutely clear it absolutely exists. And let's read it. It's in it okay.
3: Those that are, want to look at this up, it's in Volume Four, History of the Church, page
1: five fifty-six. Or, or yeah, we're looking on page fifteen this is the joseph smith a question about parents receiving their children will mothers have their children in eternity yes yes mothers you will have your children for they will have it without price for their debt of redemption is paid there is no damnation awaiting them for they are in the spirit but as the child dies so will it rise from the dead and be living in the burning of god and possessing all the intelligence of a god it will never grow it will be the child in its precise form as it was before it died out of your arms. Children dwell and exercise power, throne upon throne, dominion upon dominion, in the same form just as you laid them down. Eternity is full of thrones upon which d- dwell thousands of children reigning on thrones of glory, with not one cubit added to their stature. The very well might be, Mike, when you get to the other side and meet God, that God is a six-year-old. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: Pre-
3: President, for
0: Wil-
1: President Wilford Woodruff,
3: who reported on the above sermon, says that the prophet corrected the impression that it had been made by his King Follett sermon that children and infants would remain fixed in the statue of their infancy and childhood in and after the resurrection. President Woodruff very emphatically said on the occasion of the subject being agitated about 1888 that the- that the prophet subsequently to his King Follett sermon that children while resurrected in the stature at which they had died, would develop to the full stature of men and women after the resurrection, and that the contrary impression created by the report of the prophet's king false sermon was due to a misunderstanding of his remarks and erroneous reporting.
1: Okay, of course he would say that. Of course he would say that, but we established the front, that this was this was established by four sources, and and... There, there was no misunderstanding. The problem is, of course, they would come along and say this: "This is a stupid doctrine. This is ridiculous." Um, I don't know why <laughs> well, any, anybody would say such a thing. That's why you say, you say, John, why you like so much the thing? Because he says asinine stuff like this. That's why I can't accept him as a prophet. <laughs> and, and, and
2: why? Well, I mean, why did? he? I mean, I, I guess you're saying, Mike, that you don't believe that Joseph Smith really actually said that. But, but no, he, no, 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 no.
3: will you resurrected. believe that he said it?
2: And then he. We'll wait, be wait, wait,
3: resurrected wait. as we died, but we will uh, come to a fullness of resurrected form later. that's why we're told not to get tattoos that we're, that's why we're told not to get fat
2: because oh you know, we're going to be
3: resurrected the way we right. the way we died so
0: so tattoos. the ninety year old that dies res- resurrected as a ninety year old
3: and then he will come to perfection later
2: what? okay you're, you're getting way off of where I want you to go oh. <laughs> Here, here's, what I, here's what I want you to answer mike okay the, the, what what John just read. Do you believe that Joseph Smith actually said those things, or do you believe that they're recorded because the people hearing them misunderstood it?
3: That's tough to say. I know that Joseph corrected himself at a later date because a lot of people heard it the way we just read it. Well, wait, okay, wait, wait. So, Joseph Smith so let, died let's let's like take the assumption later. that he actually
2: did say it, but then he realized that he was wrong and he corrected it later on. Okay? Yes. So why would he have said it? And, and, he, and no doubt, he
3: went, in one of his visions, that's what he saw was well, that there were children.
2: Or, or that's a possibility. I, I think it's probably more likely that he had experienced the death of children many times in his own life. And he, yes, had, he yeah. had had to console Emma many times. And he had to console other women many times. And he knew that this would be, or at least he felt, that this would be a comforting message for them. To say, you will get to hold your babies again just as you laid them down.
3: Yeah, he this taught it again on another thing. occasion as well. He taught the same doctrine on another occasion and they have written testimony of people saying it was something along those lines that they would see their children as they died again. Right. Uh I'm trying to see where exactly it says that. I don't remember the date. But so there's just, about four or he five he signatures.
0: Just, he was just speaking as a man, right? He, he, he No, I just... Because he was speaking as a man when he said that. That's why he was corrected later.
3: I don't he know if I go it. that far, but it was something along those lines. But we'll be resurrected how, how, the how way far, they how far
0: would you? How far would you go then? What would you say then, Mike? He either misstated
3: it or it was misquoted. It what sounds like mean? he misstated he mis-
0: it. If, he, if a prophet speaking on behalf of God misstates something... Doesn't that mean that he's just a man making mistakes? Sure,
3: but he's also a prophet.
0: Yeah, but where you know where where does the on and off switch come in? <laughs> this
1: <laughs> well, the problem
0: I the, have. Was,
3: the, the, this isn't the Catholic Church. We're not talking about an infallible pope. We're talking about a, a real man of God and how they actually function and work. Oh, okay, right, okay. and I
0: think I think I think it's okay for a church membership to want to say, "Can we just know when the." when the profit switch is on the on position and then not and then no when it's in the off position. Uh, he corrected himself. Wilford Woodruff We, we, corrected we have him. no we have no I mean,
1: evidence that he corrected himself and and frankly he had very little time to do it. It's unlikely that he corrected himself. Um, it's right here. Wilfred Woodruff, I have the quote right in front of me. Uh, Wilford Woodruff is just making that up um
3: <laughs> you know eighteen forty eighteen eighty eight Here's he the, says the prophet corrected
1: himself, and this is what was actually said. How old was Wilfred Woodruff at the time? This is 44 years later. That, that was 1888. Um, yeah, it's not real reliable. Um, he's probably old and fuddy-duddy. And he wants to distance himself from this silly doctor, and I have no problem with that. Um, but here, here's here's the problem about the prophet thing. You know, we, we know that um, um, Joseph Fielding Smith famously said— a man would never walk on the moon. It wasn't his domain, or whatever. I, c- I can give him a pass on that. That sounds like an old guy, just sort of uh, you know saying, ah, "I don't think, I don't think man will walk on the moon. That's not his domain. That's something a prophet, you know, speaking as a man, making a mistake. But when you start asserting things like this, you're just bullshitting. I mean, you can't make a mistake. You can't make a mistake like that that, that you, you're you're positively asserting stuff. If Joseph Smith says this and it's not true, everything Joseph Smith said is 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 suspect because he's we, a suspect, yeah. He we know that he he just makes stuff up because there's no other way you could get this. This is not a mistake you can you have to be make actively making that up. There's no other way. All he's saying
3: is they're going to be resurrected the way they laid down. That's all he's That's saying. That's not all he's saying.
2: That's
0: not all he's saying. He was talking about the 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 infants, staying as infants, and, or whatever. and
1: and ruling that way forever and ever. It's it's, it's
2: clear. <laughs> anyway, that's all you want to hear, but that's not all he's saying.
0: Did did we want to talk about the uh, the controversy with uh, President Gordon B. Hinckley talking about the King Fowler discourse? Sure. Yeah. Okay. I'm only bringing this up because I feel like it's re- relevant to the discussion. <laughs> But in 1997, he was interviewed by Time Magazine, and I'll just read the quote here. It says, question, to, Go- to President Gordon B. Hinckley while he was the acting prophet. Question, just another related question that comes up in the statements in the King Paul Discourse by the prophet. Uh, President Hinckley, yes. Question, about that, God the Father was once a man as we were. This is something that Christian writers have, are always addressing. Is this the teaching of the church today, that God the Father was once a man like we are? answer. I don't know that we teach that. I don't know that we emphasize that. I haven't heard it discussed for a long time in public discourse. I don't know. I don't know all the circumstances under which this statement was made. I understand the philosophical background behind it, but I don't know a lot about it and I don't know that others know a lot about it.
1: It's too, then, bad. It's too bad our podcast wasn't around before Hinckley uh, got onto it. Larry King. He would have known all about it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: And then interesting, then, then later in, uh, in the October General Conference in that same year of 97, he, he states, quote, I personally have been much quoted and in a few instances misquoted and misunderstood. I think that's to be expected. None of you need worry because you read something that was com- incompletely reported. You need not worry that I do not understand some matters of doctrine. I think I understand them thoroughly, and it is unfortunate that the reporting may not make this clear. I hope you will never look to the public press as the authority of the doctrines of the Church.
1: And, of course, after that, 60 Minutes um, released the full transcript, script, um, and we know that there was no shenanigans or anything like that. Right. So, Tom, you, you brought it up. What's your thoughts? <coughs>
0: Well, it was it was big news back then, and there was a lot of critics that were, you know, ready to throw tomatoes and all that stuff back in the day. And uh, even Daniel Peterson uh, made some quotes about it. Um, I just, personally, I just brought it up because I thought it was interesting that a prophet of the church um, was basically backpedaling from that statement in the King Follett discourse about, you know, man, or what that couplet— uh, God was once a man, and man may become God. Blah blah blah. I just thought it was interesting that the prophet, the acting prophet of the God, would backpedal from that. That was, I guess, yeah. that was the controversy, isn't that right?
2: Yeah. yeah you know what, what? What I liked about it, and I think, I think in in the same interview or in in one uh, close to it, um, I mean, maybe it was the Larry King one. Uh, I'm just going from memory here. President Hinckley was asked how he communicates with God. And he, he, he said it is through inspiration just like anybody else and, and so I, I actually really appreciated that that response and it, and it seems to me consistent with what he's saying here that he hasn't received any kind of revelation on this and it's not really an important principle that that he's that, that he's teaching or promoting in the church and it's it's one that can be really misunderstood and twisted around to say that God was a man like us. That if you're focusing on that, like us. And, and and wasn't there another one where he kind of twisted it around and he said, well, what Joseph Smith actually said was that God was a man like Christ. And if we present it that God was a man like Christ, it's not nearly as uh, heretical to, to, to some ears. Yeah.
0: The, the statements um, that I always hear about, about stuff like this and about these statements was that President Hinckley wasn't necessarily speaking as a prophet. He was just doing some PR, you know? So he, yeah, he, he doesn't need to exactly state it the way it is. He's trying to broadcast a message to a wider audience. He's trying to, uh, what would they say, give a little bit of the milk instead of the meat? <laughs> right.
3: There's, there's an interesting letter that might shine some light on this. This is uh, three weeks before the King Follett discourse and a concerned uh, member of the church had heard some of the doctrines that Joseph uh, let's see what it says a letter of Hiram Smith appeared in the times and seasons in reply to an inquiry by a concerned elder this letter undoubtedly presented the church's position at that time uh, stating that an elder has no business to undertake to preach the mysteries in any part of the world neither has any elder any authority to preach any mysterious thing to any branch of the church unless he has a direct command from God to do so let the matter of the grand councils of heaven and the making of gods, worlds, and devils entirely alone. For you are not called to teach any such doctrine, for neither you nor the people are a capacity to understand any such principles, less so to teach them. For when, the, for when God commands men to teach such principles, the saints will receive them. Therefore beware what you teach, for the mysteries of God are not given to all men, and unto those to whom they are given, they are placed under restrictions to a part only such as God will command them. And let the mysteries alone until by and by." That was Hiram Smith speaking on the on the King Follett discourse doctrines, that we don't preach these things publicly. We, this is for the church members to have.
1: But, okay. But well, you, you compare the—look the at the language in the King Follett discourse, and we didn't go over all of it, but— joseph smith says over and over again these things are simple that there's yeah. people are fools for not understanding them these are the great that if you don't understand these things you don't know crap about anything and you you're not ready for <coughs> salvation and he goes he that all the paragraphs we skipped over were basically all that sort of stuff so so to then come along a couple years later and say oh this is a mystery don't talk about it oh s- seems really uh, disingenuous
0: yeah, and what exactly? I mean, if it's a secret to, that's only supposed to be known to the membership, and the wider audience can't know about it until they become into the membership, like this is a club only. You'll get it once you get in. I don't know if I like that.
2: Yeah, and, and I think, you know, Joseph was aware when he was giving the, the, the discourse that there were non Mormons that were present in that congregation, I and mean, that there were people that were there that were friends and family of. Elder King Follett, you know, so it wasn't like he was giving uh, a, a, a sermon in the church or in, in a temple, or you know, he was he was speaking for everybody.
1: Yeah, why why are we today in the church embarrassed about things that Joseph clearly wasn't, um, and Brigham wasn't, and, and a lot of the early church leaders weren't? Why why the shame we feel towards the people we hold in such high regard? What what, what is that all
2: about? Well I, I think I think what it's about it's it's about the stories that we have in the New Testament of the the lawyers who tried to tie up Jesus in debate. And so we're I mean, we're at least me, I'll speak from my experience. <laughs> I, I I heard that so often when I was a kid growing up that I always had this suspicion that, okay, you know, if somebody starts asking questions, they're gonna try and back me into a corner. So I've got to be prepared for that. But isn't that why we and, and have prophets? Seems, yeah.
1: I, I thought at first you were accusing the church of being pharisaical today, but isn't that why we have okay. prophets? Isn't that, you know, the church insists that the prophet today is the prophet for the whole world? Why yeah. doesn't this man go and confound the, the lawyers like they did in the Book of Mormon? I mean, he, the, why, why do they hide underneath their own army of lawyers and accountants and PR guys? You know, why, why does the God, church, why does the church have a spokesman? God's true church doesn't need a spokesman. It has, a, it, has a, it has a prophet, seer, and revelator, right? Well,
2: well he's, a, he's, a, he's a leader, and I, I think he I, – I, I mean, I, we, maybe we should do a podcast just on these <laughs> Hinkley interviews because I think there's a lot in here to, to talk about. I, I, yeah, I, I'm yeah. going by memory again, but I think he said that most of the foundational doctrines have already been revealed, and the purpose of a prophet today is just to reinforce what's already – like the important parts – and so the things that they're focusing on right now, they would say, this is the important part. We're going to make a proclamation on the family because the, the world today is under attack from homosexuals and intellectuals and feminists, <laughs> you know, and, and they'll make those kinds of statements. And, and you know, we, we do our review of the general conference. Um, you know, we, we're, we're getting those those basic messages over and over and over again to be prepared and not fall away and that's kind of the role of the, the prophets, to, to keep us grounded, right?
3: Yeah, there's a difference between a dispensation head who set up the oh. tent and apostles who go out to bring people into the tent.
1: Well, but, okay, but this King Follett discussion, the, the King Follett discourse brings up as many questions as it answers. And, and why, why does God set up a dispensation head that's just going to, like, tease us with all this stuff and then just drop it. Why, why don't the prophets? You know, you know. One of the apologetic responses about blacks in the priesthood is it?
0: Huh? They never asked. If they just asked. <laughs> who said that? Uh, Apologetics, Mike. Apologetics. Uh, oh, apologists
1: sometimes say this. Say that God never was for the doctrine. That the reason that it went on so long is because we never asked. Because you yeah, have no to crap. Have to, but easy, Mike. Anyway, why don't we ask? Why don't? Why doesn't one of those guys go to God and say, "Hey, what's up with this uh, little thing about babies on thrones?"
0: Have you seen the list of stuff they got to talk to God? I'm sure this it's on. It's got to be down the, at the bottom. The list,
3: babies God. on throne things has been answered by Joseph and Wilford Woodruff. We need a Samuel to the living the prophet. You have your answer.
2: But but John, I I, I imagine that they do. Uh, you know, I I think that they probably do ask these questions, and it's it's part of their personal prayer and personal study. And and they you know feel it out in their hearts and they do what they feel is right, which is eh, let's leave it alone. And and then it's not important.
1: And those who do eventually get their book pulled from the shelves of Deseret Book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. You have any more thoughts about King Follett discourse? And
3: I just want to say that Joseph lived his life in crescendo, and this is the this is the highlight of it.
1: I agree. I think it's a great. I think it's a great speech. I mean, we we've quibbled with some parts of it, but I really think it shows the 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 culmination of his speaking methodology of you know how he interact with the crowd. I can just imagine that the him going back and forth from the crowd and him turning around and talking to Sidney Rigdon and it just must have been an amazing thing to be there. At, you know,
3: there's a there's a story behind that Sidney Rigdon thing, and I can't remember how it goes, but. He'd been arguing with Rigdon over Bible scriptures,
1: and so he said, Mark it, Elder Rigdon, to just kind of put the screws to him, like, I'm going to show you. Yeah, he, he well, he and Sydney were—I the, mean, they always had sort of a rocky love affair between the two of them. and
0: <laughs> a rocky love affair. <laughs>
1: um, I'm, I'm not implying anything like— you
3: know. Well, there's no, the Philadelphia was, yeah, speech. The,
0: we know he liked the ladies, John. Don't worry,
3: bro. <laughs> I remember the philadelphia Sydney got up and taught everything from the Bible, and then Joseph got up and said— Everything from the restoration, and he, he was really angry at Sydney for not going at the restoration doctrine and sticking to the Bible.
1: Yeah, that's probably a topic for another day. Any any more thoughts about uh, the Good King Follett?
2: I I, I just I, I agree with you, John. I think it's, it's 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 uplifting in its way. It's inspiring in its way. You know, I've, I've kind of been poring over it the last couple of days, and a, a lot of the things that I really like about the the church and and the the cosmology of it. Have uh, whether it's uh, its origins and foundations, or if it's just being echoed in in the King Follett uh, discourse, and you know, I, I, I like the, the speculative science fiction kind of stuff. Science so fiction. it's a good one for that.
3: <laughs> you want to close it by singing praise to the
1: man? No.
0: Oh jeez. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right.
1: As always, the uh, discussion continues on the website at mormonexpression.com. You can uh, send us an email at mail at mormonexpression.com or call us and leave a message at 801-906-6722.